And um, I actually want to share this morning about how God loves us. This felt like a simple word to encourage us and to remind us of, do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much He loves you? And how, how can we know the love of God for us in our lives? Now, that's the question and that's what I want to share on. Just I want to take 10-15 minutes and share on that. And I want to start off with this, is that how many of you have read that book, The Five Love Languages by I think Gary Chapman? Any of you know about the concept of the five love languages? Where essentially, he's, I think he's a Christian psychologist and he wrote a book saying that we all tend to, oops, we all tend to show love and give love in five main ways. And, uh, and, and he spoke about how many of us want to, we receive love through touch. You know, we love it. We love it when someone can give us a hug. And uh, do any of you relate to that? You're like, man, that's me. If you just give me a big hug and a kiss, I'm, my love tank is full. I feel loved. For others of you, it's about quality time. And I especially the ladies here among us. Man, if your husband or your friend can give you quality time, you feel loved. For others of you, it's acts of service. Where you can, where if someone serves you, wow. That's just like, if they, if they wash the dishes. I know that's for Sumeri, right? If Pete can wash the dishes for Sumeri, she's like, you're the best husband in the world. You know? <laughs> um, for others, I think the other one was gifts. That for some of you, you love, you love gifts. And if someone gives you a gift and they're thinking about you by doing that, there's a sense of you really feel loved. And I think the other one was, was there another one? Words of affirmation. That if someone speaks words of encouragement over you, like you feel loved. And we respond in different ways. And some of us want to show our love to others by the way we receive love. So for, for me, I'm a, I'm a touch kind of guy. If you can give me a big hug and speak words of affirmation over me. And, it, and I assume that if I just do that to AD, I just give her lots of hugs and kisses and I, I speak words of affirmation over her, then she'll be happy. Okay? But it doesn't work like that. <laughs> she doesn't need that. She needs quality time. But I don't need that. So we've got to kind of find one another, you know? And isn't that how marriage works? Um, a lot of you can relate. So, but in the same way, it's like, you know, we all, we all have different ways that we receive love and the way that we accept love from one another. And we should be sensitive to what our needs are and how we can best kind of meet one another where we're at. But you know with God is that God has certain ways that He shows us that He loves us. Um, in one way, God uses words of affirmation. And in one way, the Word of God, the Scriptures is God's love letter to us. Um, in the scriptures, for example, I think it's Jeremiah 31, God says, but I've loved you with an everlasting love. And, and God tells us that He loves us. He gives us words of affirmation. And if we open up the scriptures, we see that this is a God that is for us and not against us. When we open up the scriptures, we see that this is a God that is faithful towards us and has given us promises throughout the scriptures and that he has us on his mind. And that when God thinks of us, he thinks of you. Um, and the Bible says that, you know, that he knows you, that he created you, Psalm 139. He created you so intimately from your mother's womb, that he knows the thoughts that he has for you, that, that he has thoughts of hope and the future. And all these wonderful promises that scripture tells us, God gives us words of affirmation and he tells us that he loves us. Now that's wonderful, but not all of us are word people, right? You're like, is there more? <laughs> Another way that God shows us that He loves us is in one sense, I'm going to use the example of touch. Uh, that God, now how does that work? Because we know God is spirit and how, what do you mean by touch? 
Well, and this is what I want us to look at today. I want us to look at a scripture in Romans 5. And here specifically, there are two ways that God shows us that he loves us. Two specific ways in Romans 5. And um, in this portion of scripture, in Romans 5, he tells us in Romans 5 verse 5, he speaks about how the love of God, I'll read it just um, towards the second half of Romans 5, 5. It says, for God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And it tells us here that God shows us that he loves us because he pours his Holy Spirit into your heart. In other words, that you can experience God's love from the inside out that you can actually know God loves you because you can feel it in a sense it's subjective now not all of you have experienced that but I know for those of you that have where you've had a, a sense of the love of God you know bursting forth in your life pouring out over you where you've had that moment of being overwhelmed by God you love me and I, I'm experiencing your presence how many of you have experienced that I know quite a lot of you right you've experienced his presence and that is one of the ways that God shows us that he loves us. Um, I know someone once said, I think it was Martin Lloyd-Jones, the very famous English preacher. He said that the highest form of Christian assurance, if you want the assurance of your salvation, you want to be assured that you're a child of God, the highest form of assurance, of inward assurance, is that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that when you are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit and you experience the love of God, that gives you a sense that you know God loves you, right? And I know for us that have been filled with the Spirit, it's like you know God loves you. How do you know? I just, I just know. But how do you know? Well, Romans 8 says it's like a, my spirit bears witness with God's Spirit. And my spirit cries out, Abba, Father. That's what Romans 8 says. It's an inner witness. It's like a, how do you know? I, I just know. I remember after I got born again, I had a real experience with, with the love of God. And I had the sense, God, you love me. And I remember, like, how, but you have to have to ask me to explain it. It's like asking me to explain how I love Adi or how I love my children. It's like, I just love them. But maybe you can dissect it for me into a formula. I, I, I can't do that, you know. And how many of you know when you're in love, when you're in love and you've got that period of, like, love is in the air, you know. <laughs> and it's like, how do, you, how do you quantify that? You can't. It's a subjective it's a subjective experience that we have. And let me say that God does give us that. And, and you can desire it. It's something that you can say, Lord, would you give me the love of God? That like Ephesians says, that I might know the height and the depth and the width and the length of the love of God. That I might know the love of God. Not just know it intellectually, know about the love of God. But actually says you may know the love of God. In other words, it's, it's real, it's tangible You've had a revelation that God loves you. And we can't manufacture it. You can't like, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. Work it away, you know? You've got to just position yourself and allow the Lord to, to love on you, to love you. But that's, an, that's one way that God shows he loves us. But if that was all, then we'd be left with an emotional, feeling-based Christianity. And God doesn't do that. God's love ultimately, and there's a higher way or a higher expression of his love for us, that even if you go through barren times, and I, I've been through that many times, where 
barren seasons where I haven't experienced God's love. What do you do then? How then do you know that God loves you? And this is where the next portion comes in, in Romans 5 and verse 8. Romans 5 verse 8. And, and so it says this in Romans 5 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The NIV, I think, says that for God demonstrated his love, that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. In other words, the highest form, actually, of God revealing his love to you and showing you that he loves you is not actually our emotions or feelings, but is in the cross. And he says that if you want to see how much I love you, look at the cross. Look at my death on the cross. If you, want, if you want to know that there is no doubt to my love for you, look at the cross. The cross is a picture of how much the Father loves you. That he sent his son to come and to die on your behalf. And the thing about the cross of Jesus is that the cross is not subjective. It's not dependent on your feelings. That the cross of Jesus Christ, when he died 2,000 years ago on the cross for your sins and my sins, and when he did that... It was a historical event. It was something that happened. And whether you feel it or not, it's true. Right? And so we can depend our faith. And that's what being ultimately saved means. To be saved means that I believe that God died for me on that day, 2,000 years ago. And I believe that he took my sins upon, upon that tree. And if I believe that, then I'm saved. And I accept him as Lord and Savior. Then I'm saved. Um, and... Friends, I want to remind you today that, like, you know, this aspect of, of the cross of Jesus Christ is the, is the highest form of his love for us through his sacrifice for us. And I want to urge you today that, like, don't just chase after the feelings. The feelings are wonderful and the worship songs are wonderful. We need, you know, the, the worship around us. But you've got to look to the cross because when you see the cross of Jesus, you begin to understand that God has loved you so much that he was willing to die for you. And, um, you know, we might think, but, but, and here's the great thing about the cross of Jesus Christ and his, and his love for us shown in the cross. The, the great thing is that what kind of people does God die for? What kind of people does God die for? Does he die for good people? Does he die for church people? Well, let's see what it says. And here I want to show you four kinds of people. Uh, it says, verse 6 says, while we were weak. So God dies for the weak. Christ died in the end of verse 6 for the ungodly. Right? Not for the godly, the ungodly. Verse 8, sinners. In other words, people that have crossed the line and broken his laws and disobeyed him. He died for them. And lastly, in verse 10, enemies of God. So if you are weak, if you are ungodly, if you are his enemy, and if you were a sinner, Jesus died for you. And this is why Christianity is so offensive to the world and to religious people. Because Christianity is all about grace. Saying, I'm going to give you the gift of my love, and it's undeserving. If you think you deserve the love of God, we, we, we don't understand grace. Uh, it reminds me of this story of Billy Graham. You know Billy Graham? He was a very famous evangelist in the 20th century, American evangelist. He preached to more people around the world than any other man in history. And Billy Graham 
when he was, um, he was in the southern states of America, he was driving his car through one of the small towns in the states. And as he was driving, he was driving too fast. And he was driving like 10 miles in America, they work in miles, miles over the, over the speed limit. And he drove and a cop stopped, pulled him over, said, sir, you've broken the law. And they took him to the courtroom. And uh, that day in the courtroom, he had to stand before the judge in this little southern town. And, uh, and this judge kind of looked at the man. He didn't recognize Gr Billy Graham at first. And, um, and he said, sir, you've been over the speed limit. You have to pay every, I think, one mile you went over the speed limit, it's $1. So you've got to pay a $10 fine for your, for your, your speeding ticket. And he says, do you admit that you're guilty? Billy Graham said, yes, I'm, I'm guilty. And as he said that, he recognized, ah, that's Billy Graham, the famous evangelist that's spoken to presidents. And, and then, so what the judge decided to do is the judge took a $10 bill out of his pocket and he took the, the verdict and he stapled the $10 bill to the verdict and said, don't worry, I'm going to pay this for you. And he paid it for him. And then he said, but I'd like to take you out for a steak. And then he took him out for a steak afterwards. Let me say that is grace. Okay. And in one way, that's what God does to you and I is, is we've broken his laws. We've messed up, man. We're weak and ungodly. And even when we are saved, we fall short of God's glory all the time. We don't love him like we should. I don't know about you, but if, if you think you've never sinned, even as a Christian, just come over to me. I want to <laughs> show that you, you will. <laughs> You're right. I mean, even we don't love the Lord our God with all our heart like we often should. We, we fall short of his commands. And, and rather than trying to beat us, God says, no, don't worry. Come back to the cross. I want to show you that I love you and I've covered over you. I'm going to help you love me. But even if you're not going to get it right, that's okay. The, the cross is for the weak. And if you come, even as a Christian, knowing, Lord, I'm weak. I'm in need of your strength. Ah, the cross is for you. The love of God is for you. Um, God wants to take us out for a steak dinner. You know, uh, in a sense, like he pays our bill and he says, and I'm going to take you out for a steak dinner. That's grace. Do you believe that today? Do you really believe that God is enthusiastic about you? That God really loves you, man. Because that's what the, the message of the cross says. That while we were yet sinners, God loved you. Like, I am enthusiastic about you. And I'm covering over your sin with the, the blood of my son. And, and friends, when we break bread, we break bread as a, as a sign of faith. God, you're enthusiastic about me. God, you love me. God, you forgive my sins, even when I'm undeserving. Especially when I'm undeserving. And, and the way that we qualify ourselves to receive communion is by acknowledging that we've sinned. Right. And so as we come in and we have communion, we come from a place not of strength. God, I'm the head and not the tail. Thank God I'm the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's good. It's, there's a place for that. But actually we come with humility. God, if it's not for your grace, I should be paying for my own steak dinner. I should be paying for my, and I can't. I'm bankrupt morally. Lord, I need you. I need grace to come. Even the great apostle Paul, I mean, he had planted churches. He had raised the dead. He had written scripture. And he says, God says to him, you weak, but my grace will be sufficient for you. Even in your weakness. Don't think that you're someone that doesn't need the grace of God. And so, 
I'd love us just to, to celebrate that this morning together, is that God loves us. How, does, how do we know God loves us? Because God tells us that He loves us. It's in His Word. God not only tells us, but, but we experience His love through the person of the Holy Spirit. We need that. But then thirdly, He shows us His love in the most profound way through His death on the cross. He actually, it's, a, it's an act of His service towards you and I, of the love of God. And what we do with communion, every time we take communion, we're reminded, God, you love me. You're crazy about me. You're enthusiastic about me. Even when I mess up, God, you give me another chance. You forgive my sins and you bring me into, into a fresh fellowship with you, Lord. Um, so, so I'd like to pray for us, just for us, just to give thanks to him this morning. And, and as we do so, just um, everyone, you know, we've been in a lockdown period. I just want to say this before we pray. We've been in a very difficult time. And there is a concern that, uh, you know, that we can have almost a lockdown in our hearts towards one another, right? That we can be suspicious and closed because, we've, you know, we've got into this, this bubble. But because Jesus is enthusiastic towards you and me, we actually are called to be enthusiastic to one another. We're called to love one another. And the same grace that God shows to you and I, we have to show to each other. We've got to love one another, friends. We, right now, as things are opening up, we've got to love each other. We've got to open up our homes. We've got to love one another. We've got to draw in people that are different to us. It's not a time to be sitting, you know, on our own or, or closed doors. We've got to trust that we can love each other as best as we can in the Lord. Um, and if you have closed your heart in some way and you've even allowed fear or maybe a distance to come between you and people around you, God doesn't do that to you. Look for creative ways, even as, you, as we navigate you know, COVID. Look for ways that you can show God's love to people in the church around you. Because it has to start here with one another. Um, we are a family, right? And that means that the love of God comes through one another in the Lord. So let's pray together. Just, and as we do so, we're going, to, we're, gonna, we're going to break bread. And has everyone got juice? And did you guys all bring? Chloe didn't. Okay. I know there's some who didn't. We've got spare. I know there's, but who has got spare juice? And, okay.